The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, for three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but I have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, it's always a joy to be with you, and um, for those of you who haven't heard, um, Marv Swanda passed last night around 9 o'clock on the Feast of St. Joseph, which in its own way has its own beauty, Um, and uh, so next week we have two funerals, um, one at each parish, and so when I got here, I kind of looked in the books and I was like, wait, there's hardly any funerals and this week there's two. And, um, and so it's just a really hard, it's, a, it's been a hard week. And, and as I reflect, you know, on that, on, on this week and I don't know, just kind of my, my own mantra that's come out of that is, um, it's really like life's too short not to go all in. And, you know, it's too short not to go all in. Like life's too short to, to kind of be on the fence um, when it comes to, to giving our hearts to our Lord and, and to surrendering our life to him. And, uh, and that's really what the Lenten season is all about, right? The Lenten season is about kind of looking at our life and, and asking yourself that question, like where are the parts of my life that, that I haven't given over to our Lord or, or where, have I, where have I been on the fence in some way? Like where, where might I be still attached to some sin or, or still kind of struggling or... Where am I struggling with faith? Where am I struggling with my own fidelity? Or struggling to believe in the fidelity of God? And, and if there are places we identify, like, 
Congratulations, you're human. That's good. Right? Like we're all, we're all looking for conversion, right? We're all looking for conversion. And anytime any of us says something like, I think I'm, I've arrived, you know, like, okay, now you have to work on pride. <laughs> you know, now you have to work on pride. And because there's no arrival, there's only, there's only continually falling in love. And, and this week, our, our Lord points to this reality of repentance. And, and he, he says a couple of different times, you know, do you think that those people who suffered are so much worse than you? By no means. Or do you think that those people that the tower fell on were killed because of their sins and, and they're worse than you? By no means. If you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And, and so he uses that word repentance, and it's the way we begin the season of Lent. And, and it's one of the formulas for the distribution of ashes is repent and believe in the Gospels. But, but repentance, it's, it's kind of a... Um, like it implies having a complete change of our heart and a complete change of our attitude. And, and it's something that, that I think even in my own journey that, that I've come to appreciate more and more recently. And, and the way I'd formulate repentance is, is it's really this meeting place. It, it happens when, when we recognize who we are And we recognize what justice demands. And it collides, and that, in that place where we are, where we recognize we deserve justice, it collides with God's mercy. It's kind of a place where mercy and justice collide. In the opening prayer for the Mass, it says, you know, those of us who were like bent down, lowered down by our sin, will be lifted up with his mercy. And again, it, it's sort of that dynamic of, of kind of our sinfulness colliding with God's mercy. And there's really like three figures in scripture that I've been talking about a lot lately in different ways, in different places. So if, I've, if you've heard me say this before, I apologize, but... Maybe it's just good to reflect on again. And, and there are three examples of people who repent. And, you know, the first is the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, like, we have to admire his honesty and his recognition of what he deserves. You know, because he goes to the father and he says, I want my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. Can we speed this along? I wish you were dead. Because I want to get on with my life. And, and so the father gives him his inheritance and he goes off and he squanders it all and he ends up hitting bottom, like hitting this like really low bottom where he's working for a swine herd and, and he wishes that he could eat the food that he's feeding to the swine. And he realizes, I've made a train wreck of my life. I've made a train wreck of my life. And I would be better off being one of my father's servants, you know, I'd be better off working for my father. And so, so he says this, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And, and so he's really speaking the truth about himself and he's, he knows what he deserves. He doesn't go to the father in some kind of presumption. He doesn't 
He doesn't think to himself, well, the father is so loving and merciful, he's going to definitely let me back in his house and he'll forgive everything. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the father expecting that. He goes expecting that he has to deal with the consequences of his life. And, and when he starts, to, he starts that speech with the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. And he's interrupted. The father says, bring a robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, because my son, my son was lost and now he's found again. And and the father's words, my son, they crash into the son's disposition that says, treat me as one of your hired servants. And, And that moment is a moment of repentance. That, that brings about change. You know, the second is the Samaritan woman at the well, and, and, and in that story, what we, what we really see is that you know, our Lord knows who we are already, and, and he wants to give his mercy to us where we're at, right? Where we're at. And there's no room for like, faking our way through. You know? like, there's no room for pretending like we're okay when we're not okay, or pretending like we're holy when we're stuck in sin. There's no room for any of that. Because the Samaritan woman goes to the well in the middle of the day, and she goes there in the middle of the day probably because of her shame, and, and, and maybe she just doesn't want to confront anybody, and, and maybe the people in the town, they know about her past, and, and they talk about her, and, and so she's just like kind of sentenced herself to a life of isolation, and, and so she's going to the well, not expecting to find anybody, and she finds Jesus there. And Jesus says, give me a drink. And her first response is to reject him and, and to, to not want to encounter him. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Don't you know Jews aren't supposed to talk to Samaritans? Stop talking to me. If you knew who was asking, you would ask me and I would give you a drink. And again, she rejects the gift. She She says, you don't even have a bucket. Like, what are you talking about? The water I will give, you'll never be thirsty again. Oh, wait, that sounds good. Give me that water always. Because then I don't have to come here in the middle of the day. I don't have to be reminded of my shame. I can just really isolate. And then he says, go get your husband. Go get your husband. Uh, I don't have a husband. Right? I don't have a husband. I'm, I'm just going like, to pretend like he doesn't know what he's talking about. No, you don't have one. You've had five. The one you're with now is not your husband. I know who you are. Right? I know who you are. In other words, I know everything about you, and I still am offering you this living water. But I need you to know that I'm offering this to you where you're at in your entirety. And I love you even in those places of your heart that aren't surrendered to me. I love you even when you're a sinner. And then she goes off and she, she proclaims this gospel. Come and let me show you somebody who told me everything I've done. And in that moment, you know, our Lord's mercy, our Lord's love collide with her shame 
and this sense of, of justice that she had imposed on herself. And the third is the woman caught in adultery, the woman caught in adultery who goes, after being caught in the very act of committing adultery, she should have sort of brought out in front of our Lord and, and completely exposed, and now everybody knows all of her secrets. Everybody knows everything that she probably hates about herself, everything that she'd been trying to hide, and the sentence for committing adultery is death by stoning. And she sort of knows she deserves it because that's what the law says. And they say to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? And our Lord just bends down and writes in the ground. And in a very real way, like in her own shame, she's probably looking at the ground because that's where, that's where I'd be looking if I was any of those three characters. And our Lord just bends down and he places himself within her gaze. Then he stands up and says, whoever among you has no sin, cast the first stone. And he goes back to the ground. And he places his look of love, his look of mercy within her gaze of shame. And sort of his mercy collides with her heart that is, that is really ready to receive justice because she knows what she's done. And it's his mercy, it's his love for her that, that transforms her heart. And that's what's meant to happen for each and every one of us every time we go to confession. You know, when we go to confession, we really go to say, this is exactly who I am. And, and, and when we have real repentance when we go to confession, like, we go in without making excuses. You know, we don't, sort of, because sometimes we can fall into that, that kind of place where we're, we confess our circumstances instead of our sins, and, and we might, you know, confess like we had a really bad day, and we had all these circumstances that made us, you know, weaker, and so we committed some sin, instead of just going in and saying, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I no longer deserve to be called your son. Because it's only in that place, when we, when we come from that attitude, and it, that we then hear the voice of our Lord say, my son was dead and now he's alive again. And we have an opportunity to, to really allow our Lord's mercy to collide with our hearts, to collide with our shame, to collide with the things that we don't want anybody to know. And it's then that our hearts are changed. when we approach our Lord without presumption, when we approach our Lord without excuses, when, when we simply say, this is who I am, and I know what I deserve, and I'm throwing myself at your feet. When we notice that he bends down to lift us up in his love. And going all in means I'm going to give him the best shot of doing that and I'm going to give myself the best shot of experiencing that. In our Lord's words about repentance, they might seem really harsh, but then, then he tells this parable at the end of the gospel that, about this fig tree that wasn't bearing any fruit. And, and the tendency would be, well, I'm just going to cut that down. It's not getting any better. They're not getting it. 
I'm going to cut it down. And then the gardener says, no, 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 don't. Let me just cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. And it may bear fruit in the future. And, and so, so whenever we're challenged by discouragement or, or we might think we're stuck or, or maybe we, we start to doubt or we think there's no hope, our Lord just desires to cultivate the ground around us. Right? And cultivating the ground means... Like, I'm just going to stick with him, and, and I'm just going to keep trying to move forward a little bit by little bit by little bit. And, and maybe that means I'm going to be honester and more honest and more honest and more honest. And I'm at least going to, to show up and, and start to look for the ways that our Lord enters into my life and into my heart. Because it's then we receive that mercy that transforms. And we come to know the joy that our Lord promises. And, and repentance is kind of like the, the hard work or the training we do in order to reap the benefits of joy. And the benefits are so, 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 so worth it. And so today, dear brothers and sisters, let us pray that as we continue through this, this season of Lent, that... Let our Lord teach us to have repentant hearts, truly repentant hearts, that, that as we receive his grace in the sacraments and we encounter that love that transforms, that it truly make a lasting impact on us. And we come to know the fullness of joy in this life and in the life to come.